As parents, we often think, what is my child thinking? Now, this happens when they're young. It happens when they're teens. It happens a fair amount of time. Heck, it happens between spouses. Today, we're going to look at one way you can get a really good understanding of what is your child thinking, a way that you can get behind their eyes and see differently. A way to see through their lens, the way they interpret the world, the way they understand words, and which meaning that they have for the words that they actually know. Get ready to laugh and get a pencil and paper because you might want to take notes on this one. Does your child have a speech-language delay and you really want them to talk? Do difficult behaviors derail home life and you know the frustration is a communication struggle? Does your child see a speech therapist and you wonder, what do they do and how can I help? If these or similar questions are in your mind, this podcast is for you. Hello, my name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush. I am a speech language pathologist that has worked with children from birth to 21 for three decades. And in my classrooms, I see you wanting to connect with the heart of your child, but their speech and language skills create a barrier. So if you have a kiddo that has difficult behaviors, needs to expand their language, or learn to say speech sounds, and maybe even receives speech therapy, stay tuned because in this podcast, you will learn how to use your daily life as a tool to communication practice and how to do that practice. You will become confident knowing you are making the difference you want to make. And you will hear success stories of parents who have navigated these struggles already. We'll do this all while focusing on building deep, meaningful connection and confidence in your kiddo. So grab a cup of coffee along with a notebook and pen. It's time to speak in the way your child's brain understands. And that is the language of play. All right, before we begin, I would like to read a review from Jenna Emanuel. She titles it, Listening Children, Yes, and gives five stars. She writes, thank you so much for these tips. Listening has been our hard part. From Jennifer Emanuel. Jennifer, yes, listening children is such a wonderful day. It's a wonderful thing. It makes everybody feel like, I got this, we're doing it right. And when they don't listen, we feel like, Man, I can't even wrap my head around how to do this parenting thing. Here today, we're going to talk nuts and bolts about one way that you can help your kiddos become better listeners. And one tip that we'll get to at the end is it's with ditching the screens. It is quite normal that you wouldn't know this. I know that when I first became a parent, I had absolutely no idea what I would do with this child. We learn what we don't know when we hit a wall. And there were many walls that I hit that sent me to books, to friends, to counselors, and even a therapist when things got really bad. When my first one was born, I did not even know how to change a diaper on a baby. I had changed a few diapers on toddlers that cooperate, but I had never changed a diaper on a newborn. And as she got older, I did not know how to toilet train. I did not know many, many things. And that first experience 
was not so good with toilet training. And when poop landed on the floor, sorry if that was TMI for someone, and put diapers right back on or stopped all the training, and I needed someone to teach me. In Locked Resources, I found books, I went to the library, I found people, and then, of course, I had been to college for speech pathology, but if any of you have gone to college for a professional kind of job, you know that when you come out of college and you've got all this book knowledge in your head, but it's really just book knowledge in your head, and then, well, for me, I had children, and I started to understand what it is that I had studied. And then, of course, I had students, and then I had places to apply it to hundreds of kids. Getting beyond book knowledge is the experiential knowledge. And those of you that know me know that I have this relentless pursuit of knowledge. Always, I'm curious about many, many things, and I want to learn more. That was supportive and helpful when I had all these questions about what is my child doing? In the last episode, in 75, I taught you to have your child bring a piece of paper blank paper. I used a notebook. You can use whatever you want, but blank paper. And then give a few colors, but not many, and have them listen and draw what it is that they hear. Now, the steps for preparation and pre-teaching and all of that is in the last episode. But let's start there. Let's say that you have done that, and now you've got this paper. How is it that you can look at the drawings that your child has made and be able to then know what it is that they're thinking and know what it is that they understand. I thought that it was a little easier to get that third dimension out of it. So being that when I would tell my child something and they do something different, I didn't initially understand. I'd listen to what it is that they'd say and I didn't initially understand. But then when it was like that third place of drawing I started to understand differently. Dimension was probably the wrong word, but you know what I mean now. So if they're getting it out on paper, it gives you more time to think about the possibilities and to keep it in front of your face. It doesn't evaporate the same way words in your memory might just start to evaporate. The place that I learned this was in church. Because we would go there regularly, my child would have an opportunity to repeatedly practice. I knew what my child heard because I was listening, right? Well, that's not necessarily what they heard, but they heard the same thing. It's what they processed that was different. Now, to, in order to explain this to you, I thought I would take a familiar story. So let's take the Easter story from Luke 23. And I have it open in front of me. And I would like to give you an example of what it is that I had on the pages that my children actually got a hold of when they were sitting listening. I'm going to read from there. Then the whole assembly rose up and brought him before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation, opposing payment of taxes to Caesar, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, you say so. Now, I'm only going to read that much right here and right now to show you that let's say we had that much and then the sermon went on. But afterwards, I would have asked my children regularly to show me what they drew. 
And when I would look at what it is that they drew, I would find something like king. And what is a king? Well, in their minds, they're trying to represent king because they knew that word from whatever toys they had or, or whatever stories they've seen. And I would see a crown. My child heard that little excerpt. And what they remembered was a crown represents a king. And so then their whole mind would go into the idea of king. And they would tune out what was going on in the rest of the talking, or so it seemed. I would watch my children meticulously draw a crown with many colors. And that seemed like that was the only thing that they heard. But then all of a sudden, I would see them change with their drawing. And they draw a man because they'd hear the word man. Now, when the service was done and I would ask them for their page, I would see them proudly give me their paper and we'd look at it and we'd talk through it. I'd see a horse. I'd see a man. I'd see three men. I'd see a cross. I'd see a house. I'd see this crown. Maybe I'd see multiple crowns. And I would ask my children, tell me about this one for each thing. What I learned is that sometimes a picture will be repeated if they heard the word multiple times when they were ready to listen. There wasn't any difference between horse and donkey in my child's mind. It did not matter. It was a horse. Um, they also had pictures that were on the wall in the church, and they would draw that on their page. So when I asked them about the pictures that I'm looking at, they'd say, well, it's over there. And they simply didn't differentiate from what they'd see from what they'd hear. I would see three men gathered together in one little area of the page and a single man in a different part of the page. I realized that in one part of the sermon, the word man was said, and in a different part of the sermon, three men was said. And that little two-word phrase, or one-word phrase, is what my children grabbed onto because that's where their understanding was. When the horror of crucifixion was talked about, well, my child did not understand that word, so it rolled off them like water off a duck's back. They simply did not have any connection to the words that they didn't understand. They were foreign words to them. It made me realize that when we're talking about really serious and horrible topics in front of our children, sometimes it is absolutely okay because it is, because it is completely outside of their realm of understanding and it is outside of their vocabulary. Of course, we want to be careful what we talk about in front of our kids, but we've all experienced this where we pick vocabulary that we know is outside of their zone in order to talk about things. Not any differently than when you're talking in front of a toddler, you're going to spell out words in front of them so that they don't catch on to what it is that you're saying. So now let's recap on what it is that we learned from looking at the drawings that our children have. One, the drawings are scattered all over the page, and that is okay that there is no linear pattern or no rhyme or reason that you can tell for why they placed a certain picture in any particular place. It just shows they do not think the way we do yet. They're the flipping of pages left to the right and 
reading left to right, top to bottom, none of that is in their range yet. And if it is in their range, it's not in drawing. All right, point number two. The concepts that are being taught may or may not be connected with our child, and it may or may not be the right concept. They catch a word and they form their own concept to the word based on their prior knowledge. Three, when the same topic is repeated, the child might hear it as a new topic because it was said again. So they draw the picture again. This means they may or may not connect one topic to another topic, and they may not realize that the same topic is being continued. And the fourth thing I want to call attention to is that your child may equally take in information through their eyes and through their ears at the same time, and they don't necessarily differentiate where listening happens. So that tells me that also if they have scratchy bench underneath them and maybe they've got a sliver or the cloth is uncomfortable, that input through their skin, through their eyes, through their ears, all is part of their listening from their understanding. They don't differentiate when they're small which input is listening. It's all part of the experience. Now, let's assimilate that into our parenting of our children. If we know these four things, and these are the four things, stop it and rewind and write these things down if you need to, to remind yourself if these things are true, and and they are, how often might our children get it mostly right or somewhat right when we are teaching them something in our home? When we give them a direction, but there's background noise or something that they see. Or if we're telling them something twice, but we say it differently, it's possible they hear the first part of the first sentence and the last part of the last sentence, and all everything in the middle drops away. All of these things are possible, and we get a window into how their brains process when we look at pictures that they've drawn when they're listening. While my children were young, it worked really well because they had a regular experience to practice this because we weekly went to church. I learned so much about them and their experience to practice listening skills grew so much because of this that I will challenge you to do this on a regular basis. Wherever it is that you go and you listen on a regular basis, I encourage you to bring your kids along so that they have an experience like this. It teaches them how to take notes. It teaches them how to pay attention. And another piece of this is in today's culture, it is so often to give them an electronic. And even though that does keep kiddos quiet, it doesn't teach them how to pay attention. In fact, it shortens their attention span. It teaches them how to tune out and then tune in but it doesn't teach them how to tune into people. It helps them tune into a screen. So even though an electronic will serve the need for you to have them be quiet so you can pay attention, you need to know that it isn't increasing their ability to listen. In fact, it is causing some deterioration in their ability to listen. There's a time and a place for everything. 
There were times that I used screens when my kids were small too because it was really helpful for me when I was tired or when I needed to cook dinner or there were some particular things going on. I was given wise, sage advice to limit their screen time, and I'm so glad that I did because their listening skills improved tremendously during those years. And like all of it, it is a learning for you. It is a learning for your kids. And and I came into it, like I had mentioned earlier, I knew nothing about children. I truly had no clue. So if I can learn this, you can too. And if you need help in learning this kind of thing, contact me at hello at the language of play. And I would be so honored to be your partner in learning as you try to figure out what's behind the eyes of your child. Because when you understand what is behind their eyes, you parent differently. You have understanding that helps you become the parent you want to be. You're not stuck in the past ways of thinking anymore. And it becomes so much more joyful. And I want that for you. And finally, pro tip here, never teach from their drawing. Let their art be complete as it is. Let it be a window into your understanding of what they need to know. And if they have the story or whatever was taught in what they were listening to wrong, teach them through a different book in a different time. But let their art be complete and celebrate that they did it. And don't use their art as a stepping stone to teach what you want to teach. Let their art just be complete as it is. So if you would like a discovery call with me to find out if I am the person you'd like to work with, you can click in the show notes below and schedule a time and I would be happy to talk with you about details. And if you are ready to jump in, just email me at hello at the language of and I will get back to you. In addition, if any of you choose to take this on, I would love, love, love it if you would take a picture of what it is your child drew and then send it to me on that email. That's hello at thelanguageofplay.com and I will smile and rejoice with you as we share that fun art. Remember, moms and dads, when you get behind the eyes of a child, you can speak in ways their brains understand. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you feel hopeful and want to hear more, please share this podcast with other parents that might want the same. I would be so appreciative if you would rate and review. You can also connect with me at hello at the language of play.com. Dot